Welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your weekly fix of all things Perth Wildcats and Aussie basketball. Presented by Perth Now. G'day and welcome to the Dribble Podcast where there's plenty to discuss after a week off and you feel the Perth Wildcats will be discussing plenty behind closed doors after back-to-back losses in that time. My name's Chris Robinson from the West and Perth Now. The man alongside me who's always cool in a, well, it's not a Perth Wildcats crisis, but I'm sure you'd love to be getting in there and just uh, saying a few comments about uh, what might be going on. Greg Hire, welcome back to the pod. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting week. I've tried to... uh well, I don't say stay away from the club since my retirement, but I sort of, um, you know, offer my words of advice or encouragement more so uh, in the pre-season, off-season. But uh, I definitely did uh, check in on the guys and send a few more texts this week, making sure that they don't um, get worried, uh, as they do, because it's funny enough. Like, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it, it is amazing how... A win this week can change the whole environment around, but right now it's uh, obviously where I've been in that situation many of times. It's uh, it's a unique experience, and um, yeah, it's always good to sort of yeah get back in there a little bit and just uh, and I guess give them a little bit of reassurance. It's a very long season. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm interested in what your message to the guys would be or has been. Yeah. Um, an 11 point loss to Adelaide. That 11 was really flattering in yeah. the end. Perth was down by as much as I think it got to 27 in the third quarter. Thoroughly outplayed mm. on their home court, uh, made to look quite second rate by Adelaide. Where where are your concern levels? Is it a, a blip on the concern radar? And what is what is the advice that you are offering or, or would be offering um, if you were still back at the club? Yeah, I mean, the th- it's been the two weeks has been obviously I've I've had a really hectic schedule with the girl. I did that two weeks ago, and it was really bizarre. Like I remember. Uh, getting ready in the room just beforehand and literally third quarter and like, oh, the boys won it well done. Like, I can actually enjoy myself a little bit. And, the and, the, the yeah, Cairns, Cairns game. game yep, yeah, yep, and, up and 10 at three-quarter time. Exactly. Yep. Right. I was like, oh, I'll have a whiskey in on the way down and, and celebrate in the, another win. And then only be told like three hours later, like, oh, they lost. I'm like, no, they didn't. I literally turned the TV off and they were sitting quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. And yeah, so obviously that was a, I was like, okay, fair enough on the road and all that sort of stuff. But then, yeah, again, again, like I, we had this footy carnival, which I was uh, kicked two goals at. Uh, you're welcome. But um, yeah, like turned on the live scores and saw the Wildcats were up at six. And then next thing I looked, they were down 14 heading into half time. And mm. then at some point, yeah, 26 points and then sort of come back. And yeah, so there's obviously some, uh, yeah, some worrying signs as such. I think it's... Um, as I've been talking to a number of players, I think it's a new group. There's so many different... It's interesting even, like, and I see, observe what's being said on social media and talk to fans. Like, I've obviously got a lot of uh, friendships now with, with fans and they obviously talk to me and I'm pretty open and, and frank. It's one... You can't compare any season. So everyone's like keeps saying, "Oh, well, at bottom of the ladder, two seasons ago, oh, we we uh, we wanted to sack imports last year and mm. replace them, and we still won a championship." Like, um, there's a brand new group, irrespective of what happened and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a there's an inbuilt culture, but it's a brand new group, so they're still figuring things out. But uh, with that as well, I think the identity has has shifted dramatically too, um, and so I think right now that's where. Uh, I think they're still, which isn't a good thing. They still they, the playing style. They're still trying to figure out. And what I say that is, 
when you lost uh, Big Angus and Tommy Jervis, uh, they, were, they were pretty focal piece and defensively, like they were really good. Um, and then obviously that was one of my roles as well. And yeah, so the whole role and the dynamic has sort of changed. And that's what you're seeing at the moment, I think, is defensively, which has been the blueprint. Yep. They've... Yep. Um, yeah, been leaking points, and I saw that even from the the start of the season was getting out rebounded, or other teams they were getting wins, but other teams were um, shooting at real high clip. Um, and and I always remember even like in previous seasons, if you do compare it, I'd always look at it and go, oh, we got a win there, but you know they shot. 45% from the three and that's all that sort of stuff so and then it evens out like later in the season mm. you, you do get punished so I think that's what they re- really need to look into that um, the other side is offensively and this is I was having a discussion with one of the boys it's the they still run the same system like flex offense that's what Trev's offense is but um you can't even like that is such a significant loss was Gus and Tommy and I'm saying obviously Gus was Mm. this is what you're seeing right now you're talking about screening ability here screening ability and the post presence when they struggled to score obviously against Adelaide uh, defense was the issue like blow buys and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff but um, when they're struggling to score or when we struggle to score, there's obviously, uh, there's always been a presence. Tariko, Bryce, any other year, Jermaine Bill, Casey Prefer, like there's always been the two, yeah, two-headed monsters, like those guys that get buckets and then some guys pinch hit and then you have cameos from Jesse and you have Clint or whatever it may be, Sean Redditch, all that. There's a little of that. Um, but we're... Always, generally, when we won championships, the post player we had a, we had a really dominating post. Nate Jai, uh, Angus Brandt. Um, well, I mean, yeah, like, and that was all the years, right? And even Tommy off the bench, like, mm. great passes off the post. But if those, if we weren't scoring from the perimeter, or those guys weren't going, we would just throw the ball into them and say, "Hey, go to work." Point. And yep. even at the start of the game, um, even that was a thing. Like, hey, let's say like we're going against Bogut. Um, let's yeah, like get him in foul trouble mm-hmm. straight away. Let's set the tone. Let's get him going. And um, yeah, I think that's what they're they're going. As much as you you hear, oh, we're, you know, we're quicker and faster and more athletic and all that sort of stuff. You're still running the same half court set where majority of your play goes with. And so that's what I think they they need to they need to figure that out um, and to go with that because I think that's I guess a key ingredient they're sort of missing at the moment. Um, Bryce Cotton had a kid during the week. Congratulations, yeah. Bryce, if you're listening. Fantastic yeah. life event. Yeah. Certainly was by no means the Wildcats' worst. On uh, was actually the leading scorer yeah. on Sunday. I wanted to ask you about the challenges of being a dad, potentially yeah. coming off limited sleep, yeah. especially for the first time, adjusting sure. to something new. Yeah. What kind of challenge is that for oh. Bryce going forward? Yeah, there's two ways. You either have an absolute blinder just because you're running on pure emotion <laughs> on and that, or... Yeah because of the quality of play he has, he has a bad game or a mediocre game and scores 18 points. But <coughs> it's definitely a, yeah, it's a taxing thing. It'd uh, be an adjustment, right? Oh, mate, and especially it's, that's the thing. Like, he, they're first-time parents, yep. um, you know, like, I mean, I know she's got fantastic support. Um, but even that, like, that whole just, it's a new world. And I even said that. I remember, like, I hit him up after, obviously, they were born and congratulated him and said, how's it all going? And it was that honeymoon period and bliss and then I went down to training on Friday and uh, saw of him and I was like how's it all going he's like oh mate it's 
grueling. Like, it's brutal. And I was like, yeah, welcome to parenthood, mate. It's like 40, 40 odd yeah, hours in. Yeah, yeah and, okay. uh, and it completely changed, like, the dynamic. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, mate, this is an easy time. But that's – and especially that's in terms of if it was, like – past a week that's when the adjustment like the worst is I think they would have had it on Monday or Tuesday but it's when like the day three and four when the baby actually realises they're out of a womb and they're in the real world and they're like what's going on and they're no longer you know like it's you start living the life and so um, he'll be obviously better better for it more prepared I hit Mm -hmm. him up last night and said like hey can we just bring you around dinner and I know how tough it is just to um, be in a brand new thing that's your whole world consumed and um, yeah, so it is like I mean, obviously sleep deprivation, and he'll learn that um, as the three other um, dads and mm. the, well, the two now. But you know, as as always, you sort of road trips is your moment to, to actually get sleep. You like uh, like you're actually excited to get on the road, so you yeah. can get more than seven hours. He hasn't timed this well because they've just come off the back of a big road trip. This needed exactly. to happen a few weeks back. Exactly. Right. So um, and then yeah, I think Clint's just obviously just around yep. the corner yep. as well. So um. Yeah, nah. So, look, it definitely would have been, I think. And that's, you know, if it's a close game, you know, you would have just been running on pure emotion. But once it gets a blowout, he would have just been like, God, what a horrible week this has been. So, yeah. Um, I, I still yeah. love the, I still love that Bryce's personality is just so even temperament. Oh, I think yeah. he was on Instagram afterwards saying, yeah. never too high, never too yeah, low. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. You just go on to the next one. And that's uh, what it is. Exactly right, mate. Look, I, I look at it and I have a bit of a laugh because. I look at it and go, and we we discuss the levels, and I say, yeah, like Sydney are, are by far, and then yep. obviously adding Cooks is, yep. um, yeah, like another element, and they are. They're 11-1, um, but I look across all other eight teams, and none of them have put up their hand and said, oh, yeah, we're bona fide championship contenders. Like, um, mm. the Wildcats still sit second. Um, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I, just, I read a stat, like Sydney, I think the biggest... Um, difference in games ahead at this round in NBL history in terms of round nine I think being ahead by okay. three and a half games yeah. um, so that just shows yeah where they're at um, and don't get me wrong it's not that they've been dominated teams they've, they've, they're a quality team so they, they get those quality wins where they find a, a way to win but yeah I mean look that's the thing Wildcats have an opportunity here um, that yeah, there's some question marks already happening and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think it comes just with the environment. I mean, before it was just an expectation, all right, make the playoffs and that's good enough. And now it's no. Like, you mm. you have to actually be competing for a championship. Now, being realistic, that is not going to happen every single year. Like, I mean, I love it. It happened a lot. But even in my career, like, we're four from ten. Like, you know, so... And that's rare, like, in, in professional sports. So, so yes. yeah, I think we... We have to look at that and and go like it's still very early. Um, yeah, it's tough it, it, because I think yeah, they, what's going to be asked is this is goes and this is the inner sanctum or whatever. But if they lose and they get dominated against Sydney, that's when then that's when decisions will be made. Okay, are we going to compete for a championship or we have to make a change? Um, and I guess it's a a good time if there is because they can make it. Not you know with six games remaining or eight or when it's too late so sure. 
it sucks. Um, I'll never want to ever think about that. But that's if there's a timing of when it can happen, and if they get a quality win, they go, yeah, we actually do have the the the, the right guys. Which yeah, I think they do have the right guys. So um, yeah, interesting times, and, and a lot of a lot of I guess those questions will be answered this this Friday night. Yeah, massive uh, game on Friday night. A lot riding on that one, um, and then having to back it up on Sunday as well. Um, I mean, the, against the stretch the that, that got now, even though they're at home, is brutal. Mm. I think it's what four four games in seven or eight days. Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it is nuts. Um, and yeah, like I mean, you look at it, and that's and this is where the interesting time goes. Like they. Yeah, everything can be changed so quick, so fast. Um, yeah, and I look at it. What I think, what they eight and four or eight and five? Eight and five. Yeah, eight and five. So, yeah, I mean, they could go four and zero, and the twelve and five, and mm. you're laughing and going, yep. "Well, what happened?" But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting time for sure. One of the shining lights from Sunday was Luke Travers, yeah. who's a young man that you know plenty about yeah, um, yeah. from playing down at Rockingham. Got a chance to come on the floor just because yeah. there was a blowout, yeah, which is yeah. the opposite of what you normally see with development players yeah. at Perth Arena when the blowout is in the other direction. Um, came on for the last thing. He played the last 11 minutes straight. Was really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Impressed me with his composure. Didn't yeah. look like he was daunted at all by the nah. situation. Sometimes you see guys come in yeah, in their yeah, first yeah. game or the DPs and their eyes are wide and yeah. they're a bit nervous. He looked like he belonged out there. Can you sort of tell us a bit about this 18-year-old and, and, and what he's like and what his potential is for the future? Yeah, I said that like a, a year or two ago when I first met him. I thought he's, he is gen, an actual NBA player caliber mm-hmm. sort of guy. Um, and his demeanor, it's funny, everyone's first impressions is like he doesn't care or he, he doesn't have that... Uh, you know that tenacity that you sort of need at that next level but I think that's what is so uncompromising about him is that demeanour actually helps him so much like yeah as you said it comes in there he was undaunted you know in front of a pretty big environment and and does so well and and that's all I've been really hearing is how bad the Wildcats were and how good he played so that's obviously a good thing and obviously he's got a lot of uh, room and and growth he's coming back from an injury but I think the, the best thing that I've when I got to play alongside him at Rockingham was his playmaking ability. He's one of the smartest guys I've actually played with in, in my career. Um, and that's a that's a rare skill. Um, that's what usually separates the good from the best. Um, because, yeah, even though he is athletically really long as well, and he, he who his shots developing, that's the one thing. Like he he could he could read the play. Like I knew if I drove here, he would cut there. If he was driving, I'd be cutting, and he would find me. And yep. you saw that he had four assists in limited time. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I honestly think he'll he'll. I said that when I was speaking to an assistant coach because um, another uh, an over east team uh, were trying to recruit him, and I was saying like you should sign him. Like if he's not going to college, like he he's a genuine star. Like he will he and he could actually contribute in the system that the Wildcats play. Like he's not going to be your main guy, right? Like you've of got course. your guys, but. Yep. He'll pinch hit. He'll be able to get in the lanes. He'll get a couple of steals. He'll help rebounding. He'll you know do that. Um, a couple of deflections, and he he can hit the three. Um, and the one thing is, is he yeah, as you said, he's not um, yeah daunted by the the, the occasion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think as he continues getting into it, it'll be interesting. Um, and I think they can use that piece right now. They don't have. That's the thing. I think you they. Um, really haven't had that backup three that we had from that physical like where I went in there and maybe I wasn't your, your prototypical three that he is like even though he plays the one and the two he he will fit that three mold that they play so I think he, he could really complement him well 
that's do, for sure. Do you think he works his way into the rotation from now, or do you think he? Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think, and this is the way is. Um, yeah, I think obviously Wani had the opportunity to do so and had a really good preseason. But I think what you're going to look at, even from coming December. If Luke's got a, a month to play, and if Luke's playing well, Trev just plays those guys. He's not going to be like, oh, well, sorry, you're contracted, you're a development player. He's going to play those best guys. Um, you know, we saw that years ago when Reese was a development player. You know, Reese got minutes um, over contracted guys. So, yeah, no, I think he'll definitely put himself in the rotation mix um, until and until they sort of figure each other out. Because I think he will. I, I honestly think you know that's what I looked in that eleven minutes. Like he had four, two and three, or four, mm-hmm. three and four, and it was a blowout win. So you also do need to put little things in perspective. Like it's a bit different if it's a four or six point game and you come in and there's a little bit of pressure. Of course, um, but I have no doubt that he's he's good enough. Um, like I think he's a guy um, that if he does go on the current tra- trajectory of what he what he's has the potential to do, he won't play in this league for long, that's mm, for sure. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that I compared to Joe Ingles in terms of that sort of the way they play. Sure. Um, so I think the club's pretty lucky to have him. Yeah, I think it needed to be noted as well. Obviously, as you say, the margin um, was was beyond repair yeah. for Perth, but the guys he was playing against, it wasn't the end of Adelaide's yeah, bench. Yeah, they yeah. still had Randall and Johnson and, and sure. Jim out there. Yeah. Um, so it, he wasn't playing against scrubs. That, for sure. That was really encouraging. Yeah, and oh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, even when I looked at it, I was like, oh, um, like I looked at the back of the last game because I wanted to see and and see what context of the game, mm-hmm. whether that was just like a blowout and what it is. But no, he was playing quality minutes um, and credit to him. And, and one thing Trev does loves that, he'll give you an opportunity. And so, yep. it, you know, he'll, he'll throw him in the fire in, the, in this game if, if there's a moment that, that's asked. Yeah, sure. yeah. If there's one thing we know about Trev, he'll keep the guys rolling that <laughs> exactly. are rolling. And he likes to say that. And that was certainly... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Luke Travers probably wouldn't have thought that he'd get on the floor in his debut game. In his debut <laughs> game for 11 straight <laughs> yeah, minutes exactly to close right. out exactly. the game, it was something. Um, mate, we're going to have a bit of fun. Wildcat yeah. of the decade. This is something that the club uh, put out yesterday. It's yeah. an initiative. They're trying to, to find out who is the best player of the what are we 2010s? Yep, yep. Um, and they gave us an eight-person shortlist, yeah, which really reads awkward. as follow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, how did Matty Knight not get on this shortlist? I know, by and, the way? Yeah, we'll obviously talk about the guidelines because it's going to be a really weird voting situation. Yeah, like or how it happens and yeah. how you say it. Let me go through the list. So we've got Sean Redditch, Jesse Wagstaff, Bryce Cotton, Casey Prather, Damian Martin, Jermaine Beale, James Ennis, and Kevin Lish. They're sort of uh, the way that the Wildcats are structured. It, they're sort of in a bracket, yeah, um, yeah, going yeah. up against each other. But I thought it'd be fun if you and I just did. Yeah. Just forget the bracket. Let's just do our top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of player of the decade, um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah. Well, I, when I was thinking about this, because even when I was looking at the head-to-head matchups, and there were so many things, and I was thinking about going, but we could be here all day and actually setting like a, a, a guideline. So yeah. I was like, if you were an MVP winner, you get five points. If you get a, f- a first team or an award. But then it's it goes to how long you've how long have you been in that club for and yeah. the effect, impact you had because I look at it and go so initially like when did Shawnee retire uh, the end of twenty sixteen or yeah, twenty seventeen so yes. I think it's the end of sixteen so but even that so like Kev like I love him but then like he was there for three years and Jermaine I was even four, four. Kev. yeah and Jermaine then, was three I think yeah, yeah so like even those guys and then yeah you're right like Maddie Knight. Who, who I would have over 
uh, Jermaine Bill, um, even though Jermaine... So that's the thing, like a, a grand final MVP. Yeah. Um, I think if I throw my two cents in here, the, the way that I sort of thought about it when I broke it down was I gave sort of three just broad categories yeah, in terms yeah, of assessing yeah. it. So the first one is just basic skill slash talent, yes. which is why anyone plays the game, what makes someone great. The second one is um, historical significance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're putting up, you know, 30 a game, but your team finishes last, it doesn't for quite sure. have that. And then the third one is longevity. Yeah, of course. So how long you've been able yeah, to do it for. for. Sure. Um, so it's kind of tough to, to factor those in because it depends how you feel about James Ennis as opposed to Jesse Wagstaff, who's been doing it 10 years. How do you compare those I agree. two guys? Well, initially, if you said, who's your top three players that you've played with or in that in that space? That's a and different discussion. That yeah. like, yeah. the best someone just said, name your decade. I would go on the top of my head, I'd say Damien Martin, Bryce Cotton, and James Ennis. And Mike Dunnigan misses out. <laughs> yeah, <by> unlucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. my thing is, because I'd go, Damo is going to be a no-brainer, obviously, for obvious reasons. We don't even need to go that. But then I go, James was... Well, in essence, like transformed the league, mm-hmm. even though it was one year, the first time since a long time, an NBA draft pick, like all that sort of stuff was so dominating. Maybe the league was perceived as a less in strength in, in previous in, in in back time, but I still, yeah, like I, I argue that, but yeah, like he was so dominating, like mm-hmm. it was, was ridiculous. Completely agree. Yeah, and then I go, well, Bryce in the last two years, arguably the best player in the league too, and it will, and I'm looking at uh, he'll be here for a long time. So, well, this is third season now. So, um, it's, his, it's his fourth season is now. Is it fourth? Well, he had sort of a half season to start with. Oh, yeah, because we lost and then one this year. Is now okay, his, yeah, so it's fourth. fourth. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. even that. So then I look at that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unique and then you go well like Shawnee's was so like that's I think it's different right because Shawnee was so dominant yeah. but then the last two three years his role completely changed to what it was say from the early 2010s yeah. like yeah. because I remember one year Sean won Gordon Ellis medal and I remember walking upstairs and his name was like six years in a row and I remember thinking the way he's going, like, and obviously not knowing what the league was going to do, and you're going to bring in James Ennis, you're going to, I was like, he's going <laughs> to like win twelve Gordon Ellis's in a row, like, yeah, and yeah. then, but then, yeah, the next year I was completely, it might have been after the hips, and then, yeah, then everything completely changed, yeah. and the whole league's completely changed. See, dynamic, yeah, so. see, my thoughts on Sean are if we do this thing five years prior, if we do this from 06 to Correct. 15 or something, Redditch wins yeah, by the yeah. length of the straight. Easy, easy. Like, forget about it. And yeah, even easy. if you do 2000 to 2010, he probably wins that one as Correct. well. Correct, yeah. Um, I'll give you my top three because yeah. I think you'd, I think we're probably on the same page yeah. here. My number one is Damo. Yeah. Um, so, again, I look at my sort of three categories, skill slash talent, yeah. six-time defensive player yeah, of the year, sure. arguably the best defensive player in history, won a grand final MVP as yeah. well. Historical significance, um, you look at the culture that he's helped create and maintain, impeccable character, um, and the the significance in establishing that culture. And then longevity has played every one of the past 10 seasons. So he's the guy who gets it. Bryce is my second, who's, as we discussed, starting to get there with longevity now in his fourth season. Um, MVP, grand final MVP, one of the best Wildcats to ever wear a singlet. Yep. Um, and then I'm sneaking Ennis into three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah as I say, longevity counts for very little because it was one and done. Yeah. But I completely agree with you on that historical significance Correct. point. Yeah. Um, in terms of opening that pathway to the NBA yeah. that's just so wide now. Yeah, for um, sure. And has, has quite literally transformed 
the league and transform the caliber of the league. And there's not many guys that you can say that about in NBL history. James Ennis is, is one of those few guys. It's one of those rare things that when people weren't like dropped away from the NBL, they were still talking about Ricky Gray. They still talk Ricky Gray, James yep. Crawford. Even I remember like seeing the the poll or the comp go up, and people were still like, "What about Ricky?" And I'm like, "It's a decade thing. Mm. Ricky hasn't been playing for two decades." Yeah. But, but um. It's a thing that now you see fans talk about James, like about Ennis, like they're like they're like that was sort of you're moving into the arena, like all that sort of the real. It was like the whole league starting to grow again, and he was like the reason for it. And I still see Ennis jerseys like floating around. Oh, like yeah. it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like it's um yeah, he definitely transformed even that one in the year. And I remember like then you know we because of how successful he was that year, I was like, all right, we got to get another one, and you get it. Not the right outcome with DeAndre Daniels, and yeah. like, and then Melbourne went after Jordan McRae, and it was that was the start of it. Like, and so I agree. I look at it. You look. Casey Prefer definitely, you know, um, part of me is always that, like, that's the sort of, it's that, the loyalty bit of that sort of the romantic bit. Like, if you move to another club, just like Jermaine, Casey and Kev, yeah, I'm going to be bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, irrespective, like, if Bryce goes to another team, and more than likely it'll be Sydney, just the way they are <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Jeez, I, don't Mate, I know Paul that. Smith is listening. Don't even want to that. think about that. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, so, like, if, if um, yeah, then I'd be like, nah, no way. Like, I'm putting Everard Bartlett before uh, Bryce. Everard Bartlett, <laughs> former slam dunk contest winner. But you so, know what I mean? Yeah, so... But so, are you, ha- are you happy with that order? Yeah, Damo, I think Bryce so. Bryce and yeah. then James? Yeah, it's... It's funny, like the only person I would have in there is like you'd you'd think Shawnee, but it's because you knew, but then yeah, it's like two thousand ten and it's only about three, four years so yep. you sort of forget about it. Yeah. Um Damo is unanimous, but even that, like oh, none of those guys I'm like, Oh, would I yeah, like I don't really consider it. The only thing is is I would have when you had that eight, I would have put in Maddie Knight over yeah, it would have been Jermaine Bill. Um mm. yeah. Interesting. I'll, I will give uh, Dollar Bill this, though. It's still the craziest thing I've ever seen in that building was oh, when he hit those threes. 10 threes in yeah, a row. Yeah, that is, I've watched every game of the Ennis era. I've yeah, watched yeah. Bryce. That is the craziest thing, hands down, I've seen in that building. Yeah, he like, was just pulling up from the logo yeah, and on the fast break <laughs> as a heat check and oh, just kept mate. heat checking and kept knocking him down. It was unreal. Yeah, what, what craziest you, thing I've ever seen in that building. What did he end up building. with that game? 40, 40, uh, I think it was 40 even from memory. Yeah, okay. And he had 10, right? 10 in a row. 10 oh, straight. 10, really? It was 10 straight. Yeah, from this, from about I think it was midway to late in the second quarter, through to I think possibly the end of the third quarter. I'll, I'll go YouTube it after this. Oh, I it remember that. Unbelievable, yeah, it was against but Melbourne. just unreal. Even like Chris Golding, I remember one. I was like chasing him down, and yeah, like dollar went. I remember that's oh, one of the and best, just pulling like, up from every and then and like then giving to the, the crowd, crowd yeah, asking yeah, for more. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, that's the craziest yeah. thing I've ever seen in that building. Hands yeah, down. yeah, no, it was good. Unreal. Um, that sort of leads me into one of our fan questions in terms of Dollar sort of looking at the, the crowd and yeah. potentially the commentary booth as well. This one's from Simo88. Yep. What are your thoughts on the league's broadcasting hub instead of having callers travelling mm. to games? So for those people who haven't quite picked up on it yet, 
um, aside from a, a, a sideline reporter yeah, at each yeah. game, the main calling team is being done from a, a central yeah. hub in, I think it's Melbourne, um, and they're, they're basically calling the games off a screen, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which is a change from previous years. The league now owns their their sort of broadcasting yeah. right there, putting the product together, um, and it's, it's evidently a, a money-saving issue um do you think that's detracted from the quality of the call do you like it is it a, no, a reality honest, in I, don't, I don't like it um it, it's funny like I, I look at it and go um i think it's it's sort of the same approach that's sort of in it in the nba i guess in a way like the hub or whatever like sort of the inside of the nba um, okay. the pre-game show but which i would be all for like i think to do that but then you've they still have their commentary team yes. court side yeah. so it does I, I think you lose that even those moments and we discussed it I think maybe the very first one but it's like when Bryce hit that three last season yeah like you and don't called out homicide yeah you don't get those moments like yep. um, he loved it Bryce loved it yep. um, yeah like all that and I think even there's been a few times like I've been watching the game and I think because the sound's built into the studio it's not on the court and mm-hmm. so there's been like I remember going against New Zealand. There's some like massive plays, and then like rewatching the game, and like it just it, you would have not even known from the like except for the the excitement from the broadcast team. Yeah, it's still like tough. Like they're in that, and you're watching from a camera. So look, I understand from a cost saving thing because from what I've heard, they're saving a ridiculous amounts of money, maybe a, a meal or stuff yeah, because you're okay. looking at like. Um, it's not just that; it's the flights for the commentary routine, the broadcast, like, and then hotels, yeah, all that sort of stuff. But then I look at it and go, I think there's enough quality talent in each place See, to, is, yeah. to to do that. So like, this is where I'll jump in. I mean, why not? What is wrong with the model? First, I'll raise two points. First of all, I think less is more when it comes yeah. to this stuff. So I'm not sure why we need three callers yes, plus correct, a sideline guy. Right? Yeah, I think two callers is enough. Yeah. One play-by-play guy yeah, and one yeah, yeah. color guy, or girl, for sure. Um, which is for by and large the American for model sure. that we say. I'm yeah. not really sure why we go more is less as opposed to less is more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the system that we've had in previous years has been if it's a Perth game, Lockie yeah. Reed lives yeah, here. He's one sure. of the best callers going sure. around. Let's get him to do that. Same yeah. with John Casey in Adelaide yes. lives yeah, in Adelaide. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm. <laughs> The only negative you can see from that is if there is a perception of bias because yeah. that guy lives there and roots for the home team. But with those two guys we're talking about, that's just not a thing. Yeah, oh, no, Lockie no. and Case are two of the most professional, sure. unbiased callers for that sure. you could hope for. That's simply not a factor there. So I'm not sure why we've moved away from that model. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it is interesting, and I look at it and go, look. Uh, Irrespective of if you had Dennis Kameni, Bruce McAvaney, or whoever, you know, like like, um, and they were seen as a Wildcats so that had any alliance, like they're always going to say, irrespective of how good and how professional they are, people are going to still be negative. Like you can't please everyone. That's mm-hmm. always going to be the case. But from their all overall product, yeah, I agree. I think it unfortunately has been uh, compromised in a way. Like I've I've missed that, and even just the the things that you you miss when you're not at the game. Like, yeah, I agree. There's know, been like, a few times where there's yeah. been. A, a call gets made and then yeah. we go to a replay of yeah. something yeah. and the commentary team has almost guessed or, or come up with their best version of what the call was and For then sure. you go to a replay and then you come back and you're like, oh no, hang on, that wasn't the call. It For was sure. a block instead of a charge or what? it's different ways possession. What I actually would love to see, um, and I hope the NBA actually are listening, but my thing is, is that um, central focus, whether mm-hmm. that's the, the team and if they want to do that and do like... 
no one really cares about you going through the stats at half time and saying, oh, 40, they've scored 42% or, hey, they've scored 54%, you know, from the field. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a perfect opportunity to build storylines. That is a perfect opportunity to build brands or to raise the profile of guys. Like, that's an opportunity for even put the onus on the clubs themselves to provide content and video. Like, you know, there is some unbelievable footage that's going around from Illawarra at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, like, doing a terrific job there. Move that at halftime, yep. you know, or like go go do that. Because like sometimes, and that's even like these pre-game interviews, sometimes you're like it's the same thing or it's awkward. Even like I understand Lamelo, like he's, let's do it because he's the number one draft pick. But then he gives you four words and it's like, yeah, okay. Like give him a, a better opportunity to maybe showcase what he is. Like do go to his house like two days before and do that interview where he's comfortable mm-hmm. and put him in that light and you get to see that character like let's see about Sunday uh, Detch like doing well hey Wildcats like breast cancer game like what was the lead up to that and show that showcase that at half time and build that stories because mm-hmm. we miss out and that's a perfect opportunity to, for, to do that um, because I think so much is talking about the game we see that but it's not like if you, if you watch like the NBA Right, like everyone loves the inside of the NBA. It's the gimmicks, it's the like the banter, it's like yep. that. It's yep. that opportunity where they actually have the entertainment side of it, and they don't ever talk about the game. You know, like they might talk a little bit, like and they'll say, Shaq will say, "How bad the Suns are." I mean, Bark will say, "How bad the Suns are," but that's it. And the same, even another code like AFL doesn't like they they talk about Oz kids, you know, like or they do that. I think, you know, you. You speak enough in the game about what's going on the game. Yeah, that's a perfect opportunity there to build those storylines and build the profile. You're at a really critical stage in it right now, where yeah, you want to put, you want to be able to switch on the TV and re- remember that guy's name. And if you can do a little bit of piece, a feature piece in in those moments, I think it actually would be yep. a, uh, a benefit. That's a great shout. I just want to see Lockie in case back calling. Oh mate, Lockie's, I, Lockie's a pro, and Case is the voice of the league for the past yeah. you know two decades. Yeah, I and, just and, want to hear him behind a mic. And it's it's crazy to like even that. Like I mean, Liam Santa Maria does an absolutely fantastic yep, yep, job. Sure does. And, um, you know, we've had other stuff and, you know, those opportunities have existed because they allowed those guys to travel in the past. You know, if we had this system where it was like, okay, we're going to go off it, like the same commentary team, like you would never unearth those guys who are now doing a really mm. significant piece, you yep. know, like there's some really, really um, strong people in the media, they're doing really, Pete, but now it's sort of like diluted in a way and said, all right, now we're just doing this. So. Yeah. One to watch for sure. Um, last fan question. This is from Murray Dunstan. Who do you consider, for you, Greg, who do you consider the best coach you played for and why? And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm opening this up to your entire okay. career, college, juniors, NBL, um, whatever you like. Who is it one of your junior guys who yeah. had one of the bigger influences on you? Do you go with one of the professional guys? How do you sort of rank it and have you ever thought about it before? Yeah, no, I definitely have. I think um, it's so different to go... It's not a straightforward question to be like, oh, I like him. I mean, if I... Well, they all give you something different, right? Yeah. And if I said, oh, look, who do you... You know, like, and I can talk... Like, Rob Beveridge was the first guy that gave me an opportunity and, like, really, uh, in terms of confidence, like, built that confidence. Like, without him, I would have not had the career I had. And, um, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to shine. Now, like, that would be the easy answer. A guy that gave you a contract and was a start and put me in the starting five. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as... So then people would be like, oh, well, Trev obviously is not your favourite coach because you got moved down to the bench. But um, there's a guy that, um, yeah, ultimately you get championship success. Um, 
you know, like in, in terms of uh, growing as a leader, definitely installed those qualities and, and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, so I think... Yeah, like there, there's that side, but then I even look at the assistant coaches that I've had that I've never had the opportunity to have head coach, but both Matt Nielsen and Adam Ford, like they're head coaches in the making just because of not only exceptional coaching ability, but more so from the, the human side of things and, and that, that character, like the amount of conversations. That, that's the guy that I talk to about retirement, like mm. uh, Nelly and, and Ford, the amount of times that we conversed and... Um, his dedication and commitment like so there's that like it's yeah pretty crazy and then I look at even I've been fortunate enough that just even the throw of three um, well like Dave Buer who I just got like he's a guy that I would actually if I was if I wanted to play NBL 1 I would play in a heartbeat like in recent times how crazy it is because he is me but as a coach like yeah, just an absolute right, okay. Just, I would run, I'll run through a wall for him. Like now, does that work in five on five? I don't, I'm not sure, but he's won a championship for Nutter Wadding, and I have unbelievable respect for him and just the way he he does. And that's in a short time. Like I absolutely love him, and so I'd say he's one of the best coaches. So it's crazy. Um, you know, Ben Ettridge at SBI won a championship with, and 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 he was a teacher of mine. Um, so yeah, there's and Ryan Petrie. You know, I think to say one coach, it'd be easy. To, it's a cop out to go. Oh yeah, I think each guy. I've been very fortunate that I haven't had a bad coach. That's like, and when I mean that, like, it's easy to know when you've got a bad coach because you just know straight away, like, like I'm not listening you, to this you've guy. You've probably seen some bad opposition oh, coaches mate, in, exactly. your, <laughs> yeah. in real time, right? Yeah. There's been a few fighting around. Yeah, exactly. And even, yeah, and oh, look, I see even at junior levels and all that sort of stuff, like, you just, like, look at him. And, and I'm still in this space, but I've been fortunate enough to every single coach that I've had, um, yeah, like obviously you have your disagreements and you have your, your issues at times, but every single one has has made me a better basketball player and a better a better human as well. And so that's all you can ask for as a coach because they're more than just a coach. You know, they're a mentor. At times, they're a father figure, um, especially in my life. Um, you know, they they do a, an unbelievable job. I think that's what it takes us takes a side. I think that's even when you look at it in the whole. You know. Um, the scope and the magnitude you know like it's more than just wins and losses like coaches like they and players like we you live you live everything you know like when like that environment they lose on Sunday they're back training like mm-hmm. um, on Monday like those guys would have been like spewing on a Sunday like knowing you know like what it is and those coaches do that that's that's their life like players in a way can forget about it right they go home get to their kids or their mates and and they forget about the coaches have to go back and they have to start yeah, evaluating their, and reviewing their process, just so it's crazy so yeah yeah now i've been very fortunate enough to being um done that i'm sure hopefully um i didn't point out jacob chance because as i said he does listen to this and he's a horrible coach <laughs> Because he would have been like, of all coaches, like, I didn't get a shout I, out. I really hope Chancey makes it to the last like two or three minutes of these podcasts just for his yeah, individual cause, No, because last time he had a bit of a go because he's like, you love Sydney. And I was like, I'm being, well, they're sitting on top of the ladder, mate. What would you like? I can't, like, what do you want me to do? They're ticking along, okay. Yeah. Um, we know 40s at Sydney will be here yeah. this week. Yeah. How's, how's Nelly going? Have you, have you yeah, had much of Matt Yeah, it's been, um, it's been, I actually just bought a car off him. So, um, okay. yeah, bought his car. So it was nice in right. Spurs. But yeah, no, it's been good. He, he absolutely loves it. Um, it's a really, it's funny because he just said like five weeks ago, they've, as he was transitioning and it was all about to kick off and everything's really good. And then I just spoke to him, I was like, you, you're on like an eight game losing streak. That's unheard of in Spurs world, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's, 
it's bizarre. Like it's a Long, bit longest weird. since Pop's first season there in ninety six ninety seven. I think, it, I think and that's yeah. a, it's even weird. Like he, it's that it's like the Walkers making the playoffs. Like even when I just t- went into ESPN yesterday to just to check on the standings, and then I was like. Oh wow! It's, like it's been rough. Yeah, like you just it's don't. Been rough. Is that your team? Yeah, it's my yeah. team. Yeah. Oh wow! I watched them win the season opener, which was against the Knicks, which you had to of take course. care of business there. And then as soon as I left the states to come back here, it's just gone. There's room. Like is the Rosen out? That's the rumours, right? <sighs> There's talk that he might get traded. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I just I don't know if you have. I don't know. The whole analytics movement, you've got two, yeah, your, your two biggest stars are Aldridge and DeRozan who just thrive in the mid-range. Yeah. And I don't know if there's room for both of them in that system anymore. Yeah, okay. That's the talk. Tough time. Like Golden State and Spurs are sitting at the bottom of the line. I know. Who would have thought? Bizarre. They're the two arenas that I went to oh, to go and watch two NBA <laughs> games and now they're just tanking out. Oh, that's right. The new media pass, right? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't use it. I forked out good money to go and watch the Warriors. I saw three quarters of Steph before Aaron Baines uh, fell on him and broke his hand. Um, mate, Let's crystal ball before yeah. we get out of here. Uh, you nailed the loss to Cairns a couple of weeks ago, so you were hesitant. <laughs> yeah, it was I, the first time we'd ever seen you speechless on the podcast. You didn't really want to go so there, I but then you the sort end. of see it, you sort of saw it coming. <laughs> didn't work for the first three quarters, and then I you know. nailed him in the end. Um, I struck out. I called Adelaide to upset Brisbane, and they they really should have. That was a Friday night game where they didn't execute late. Brisbane That's had a, right. a yeah. horrible shot, and they yeah. got bailed out by yeah, an yeah. O-board oh, just from uh, Patterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I struck out, but you're still going at 100%. Yeah. Um, I'll take someone to get tossed on Friday night. Someone's going to get ejected on Friday night. I'm putting it out there. We've got Bogut wow. in the building. Yep. We've got the Wildcats with a little bit of tension. Yes. Um, Trevor Gleason's getting a bit frustrated. I don't know who it's going to be, but someone's getting tossed on Friday night. That's my bold call. Wow. Okay. What do you got? If I, if I was playing, I would have said, yeah, you're on. Like that's I'll take one, for the <laughs> take one for the team I'll in the dying minutes. <laughs> well, I'm going to be a bit controversial here and say somewhat there's going to be an import. Yeah, there's going to be a roster change in this oh, next wow. week. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So, Which, Matt, I'm can being you, pretty good. No, I just... You're not going to name a club? Oh. Can we? Can I guess between South East Melbourne and Brisbane? Yeah. Well, see, that's the easy one. Right, but okay. I reckon. So what's the, what's the hard one, Sydney? No, 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 no. Like, well, no, no. Well, they'll be fine. Adelaide's fine. Yeah, they're, they're two. New Zealand, but they're not even. Yeah, it. I reckon it's yeah one of those two. Yeah, but I just okay. It's at a critical it, stage in the year. It is about that yeah. kind of time, isn't it? You've ticked yeah. into December. You're yeah. reaching the halfway mark. If you're going to make a change, it has to be over the next sort of two, three, four weeks. Well, you have to if you. You look at it now, and you and because this is the thing, as I said, there's been no separation. Like you go, Sydney, they're there, but out of all those other, else, yeah, and you're yeah. like, well, yeah. I mean, even Cairns have showed that. Yeah, there's not even players. a bad team, really. Yeah. And then Illawarra, yeah, like I, I don't think they're going to make it until they make a roster, but I think it's still too late. Um, and I feel like right now Illawarra are thinking, well. Lamelo Ball getting triple doubles. Let's, let's just, just get him, let's just get him to number one in the draft. It's just better for us and uh, and viewer feeds than bringing in a guy that's going to get us wins yeah. ultimately. But so then I look at it and yeah, so New Zealand. Yeah, don't think yeah, even though you go to win, it was against Illawarra. So yeah, but um, yeah, Brisbane, Adelaide, South East, um, yeah, Melbourne. You know, like yeah. Put a, put a hat over him and see what, who's going to yeah. perf, you know. So okay. I think that's where you're like, well, you know, do we, are we going to compete for a championship or, or we're just going to stay and stay strong? And I think that's you're at that critical stage right now. And there's been a few losses, like even Melbourne right now, like 
you, you put Casey on notice a couple oh, of weeks ago. Oh, I did, and I and but uh, as much as I hate to do it because he's such a good bloke. But yeah, yeah. It's it's that thing like everyone's discuss like talking about Wildcats losing. Like Melbourne went zero and two, you know, in Cairns and in Sydney, and that's the thing. Like you lose in Cairns, which you're supposed to win, which Wildcats, but then they lose to Sydney, who are. Yeah, championship favourites. And so for me, that's what I'd be looking at. I wouldn't be going, oh, we're going to make... I'd be like, are we legitimately going to win a championship? Mm. And right now they can't. They all say, no, well, we got pumped by Sydney. And ultimately, I think Sydney are going to be top two. So that's what clubs will be now looking at, going, well, you know, are we legitimately going to be able to compete with Sydney? And right now, with the addition of Xavier Cooks, I think everyone's like, I don't know what we're going to do. But, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, that's what you'll be looking at. And then, yeah, do you want to make any change? If, if I gave you a choice between Sydney winning the title or any other club winning the title right oh, now, yeah. you're taking Sydney? Yeah. Sydney yeah. against I the just, field. Well, not even Cooks coming back. you got Kev you coming got, back. Yeah, this is the thing that some people are forgetting. <laughs> They've been doing this without Kev. Like yeah, he's a he's a former MVP. Of like the league. Taylor is an important done, and he had a good good game. He's been relatively quiet, but Kev knows the NBL. Yeah. He's a great different. The only thing is he's had a few injuries now. So, yeah. but it wasn't a muscle injury. So, yeah, I just look at it and go. My thing is that that whole Cook signing. That is the one critical piece where I, if I looked at a weakness, mm. that was that. Like, and it was probably the, the bit that yeah, they looked because, at as well. And yeah, said. well, like I look at Kickett was playing minutes at the five. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then like Tate was, was, was swapping up there. They'll now be able to put Cooks like at the five, you know, or whatever. Like that's how they'll play it. Like it's small ball and... Um, yeah, it's a pretty like silly thing that you can do is to be able to bring in that quality, and then with the addition of Kev, mm. like yeah, and a good um, coach as well, as yeah. we discussed. Um, okay, the kiss of import yeah. death from Greg High, which really fails. Watch this space over the next week, mate. We'll I'm call an agent like on Monday morning if it's <laughs> get not it done. Like, get it done, mate. Get out of here. We'll chat to you next up, week, mate. and to our listeners, stay tuned to the West and Perth now. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next time. The Dribble Podcast is brought to you by Perth now. Your home is sporting action from home and abroad.